task. It will be easy for you. It will be just another day at work. At work? A million dreadful possibilities flooded Plimpton's mind. The whisperer said, I'm going to remove the hood because I want to show you something. If you turn your head, your family will die. If you yell or try to escape, your family will die. Do you understand me? God, Plimpton said. Then before the whisperer could punish him again, he said, Yes. There won't be a second warning. I swear. The whisperer placed his hand on Plimpton's head, fingers splayed like a skull cap, and then slowly curled them into a fist around a fold of the hood. He whipped it off so violently that it tore a handful of hairs from Plimpton's scalp. Plimpton almost screamed with the pain, but the warning was too present. Open your eyes. Plimpton obeyed, blinking against the light. As his eyes adjusted, he stared, in shock and confusion. He was in his own apartment, tied to the chair in his own office. The desk before him was neat and tidy, as he'd left it, but the computer monitor had been turned away. No reflection, he thought with bizarre clarity. Plimpton could not see the man, but he could feel him, and smell him. An odd combination of scents, expensive cologne, cooked meat, gasoline, and testosterone. The overall effect was of something large and powerful and wrong behind him, and with a jolt, Plimpton realized that he'd started to think of his captor as a thing, rather than a person, a force. I want you to look at some pretty pictures, the stranger whispered. The man's hand came into Plimpton's peripheral vision, thick forearm, thick wrist, black leather glove. The man laid a photograph down on the desk. The hand vanished and returned with a second picture, and a third, and more until there were six four-by-six-inch photos on the green desk blotter. What Plimpton saw in those pictures instantly separated him from the pain that still hummed in his nerve endings. Each picture was of a different woman or teenage girl. Three women, three girls. All nude, all dead. The unrelenting clarity of the photos revealed everything that had been done to them. Plimpton's mind rebelled against even naming the separate atrocities. To inventory such deliberate savagery was to admit that he could embrace the knowledge, that his mind could understand them, and that would be like admitting kinship to the devil himself. It would break Plimpton, and he knew it, so he forced his eyes not to see, his mind not to record. He prayed with every fiber of his being that these things had been done to these women after they were dead, though he knew that wasn't true. The arm reappeared and tapped each photo until it was square with the others in a neat line. "'Do you see?' the whisperer asked. "'Aren't they beautiful? My angels!' "'God!' it was all Plimpton could force past the bile in his throat. "'See this one?' the whisperer placed a finger on the corner of the third photo, one of the teenagers. "'She!' was the same age as your daughter. Please, Plimpton cried. 
Please don't hurt my daughter. For the love of God, please don't hurt my little girl. Pain exploded in Plimpton's shoulder. It was only after several gasping, inarticulate moments that he was able to understand what had just happened. The whisperer had struck Plimpton on a cluster of nerves in the valley between the left trapezius and the side of his neck. It had been fast and horribly precise. The whole left side of his body seemed to catch fire and go numb at the same time. "'Shh!' cautioned the whisperer. After a long moment the man patted Plimpton's shoulder. "'Good. Now, I have two more pictures to show you.' "'No!' sobbed Plimpton. He closed his eyes, but then the whisperer's lips were right there by his ear. "'Open your eyes, or I'll cut off your eyelids, yes?' Plimpton mumbled something, nodded. The whisperer...